Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeff of the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, if you are happen to be new to listening to the podcast, uh, I had a semi-successful tweet uh, this week and picked up a ton of followers. So if any of you are new, I appreciate that. And I appreciate if you drop a nice uh, review on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you want to do. We always very much, very much appreciate that. Um Couple things, couple house uh, keeping items very quickly, and then we'll have Jordan. I got one little topic we're going to kind of go through, and then obviously we'll get right into this weekend's exciting Big Ten action. The first thing is we know Mel Tucker is almost done; like it's it's a matter of hours potentially. Um, we have taken the stance until it's official, uh, then we will officially do a podcast. Uh, I don't know. Like people have been asking me about it, like when are we going to do it, and it's like. Well, at this point, we just have to wait till it's it's officially that the axe drops. Yeah, right now there's so much pissing going back and forth. Mel's saying this, university saying that. There's rumors. There's more coming out, and there's not more coming out. It just doesn't do anybody any good right now for us to try to give us give any kind of take on it because it's gonna right. be wrong in 36 hours anyway. So exactly. we might as well just wait. Like we said before, we'll we'll get all the data and then we'll kind yeah. of give our takes on it. We got time. Plus, we got ball to talk. We don't we got to waste our time about too. Um. Shout out to my guy, Lyle. I, I meant to say something on the last podcast. It was a guy I ran into at my 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 regular Iowa tailgate spot last Saturday. Came right up to me, said, thanks for doing the podcast, how much he enjoys it. Uh, gave you kind words. Um, and then said he set a meeting an hour and a half away in Dubuque, Iowa, so that he could go get some Amador because that was the closest place he could find it for where he was at. Love the Amador. So, you know, anybody that's going to give that kind of effort to come over and tell me that story, I want to at least give him a shout out on the podcast. That That is absolute dedication. And as an avid bourbon fan, I fully support. That <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, shout out to my guy, Danable again. He didn't even know I was going to give him the shout out. I just want to say, like he, him and his wife, like I said, they they went to North Carolina all week long, and he he was giddy on Tuesday to tell me all about you know the stories of the people that he met, how great the trip was. Obviously, it didn't finish how Gopher fans wanted it to, but that's the magic of traveling to go see your favorite football team. It, it, you want to win the game, don't get me wrong, but even if you don't win the game, you you can make memories, and I think it's something that's worth mentioning on this podcast. Like if you have a chance to go watch your team, go travel and see a different stadium. I think it's an awesome thing to do. Yeah, you always hear people say that, you know, you got to save up so money. It's so much money. It's so much expensive. so expensive. But then it's like, you know, it's worth that. The life experience is worth that. The memories you'll have forever are worth that. So I, I will avidly say to anybody, if you want to do something like that, like we have a whiteout this weekend. If you are a Penn State or an Iowa fan, right. you want to experience a whiteout, do it. Yes. Do it. What Money today is nothing for the memories that you'll have for a lifetime. Perfectly said. And then shout out to the Waggle Brothers, uh, another guys that are in my tailgate. They are going out to Penn State. It's one of their favorite trips nice. every year. They swear up and down that Penn State fans are as nice, if not the nicest fans 
to them as Hawkeye fans traveling into the stadium. Uh, so I figured I'd throw that out there before a contentious Iowa uh, Penn State <laughs> game that we'll break down later. Uh, and then last thing I want to say with Danimal is uh, a couple funny things. Uh, in, he's in North Carolina, which, let's be honest, is more basketball country than it is football country. So they're wearing their gopher gear all over the place. Repeatedly got asked, oh, wh- I see Minnesota fans a bunch. What's going on this weekend? Pretty much oblivious that there was a football no clue. Contest. Football contest. And then I don't know if you're a racing guy, but he got on the Hickory Speedway in Hickory, North Carolina. Okay, you're not a race guy either. It's no, a, it's a world famous short track, and he got like a he got like a free impromptu tour of the track. It just, and he's a race guy, so he absolutely loved that. That's the fun stuff that nice. happens when you travel and go to games. All right, that is through the housekeeping stuff. The one topic we'll just expand upon a little bit, not not a deep dive in this, but multiple podcasts i've listened to this week recapping last weekend we're talking about the same stuff uh you and i talked about on sunday which is the explosion of i would say overall sloppy play but almost for sure turnovers me and you kind of have a working theory i don't think it's too deep to figure out go ahead and start with it what what do you slash we think is causing this well you know, the the whole college football world nowadays is talked about with the TP and transfer portal and all these players in and out of programs. And one thing that college football really needs is chemistry. And mm. what's hard to build in games is chemistry when these players are transferring in and out. So to me, it makes very much sense that all these players in and out and transferring, maybe they aren't all gelling together as much. And that's what's helping cause our turnover issue yeah. and our inconsistency that we've seen from a lot of these teams. I, I think it is absolutely playing into it. Um, I don't think you necessarily say it or see it as much on the defensive side of things. A, I think offensively minded players are the ones that have more of a me first attitude. So I, I me thinks <laughs> the me think me first attitude fits into offensive guys transferring more often, maybe transferring more often because offensive guys make more money with the NIL stuff. So that's why I think it. you see it more on offense. Another thing I would throw out there is a quick ranking of, of positions on offense that cause the most issues if you're new. Okay, so if you're the new guy in the Number one, quarterback, right? I mean, quarterback. It's, it's got to be <laughs> close number two. I would almost dang near say 1A and 1B is offensive line. I think in the old days, you know, the 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 stalwart Michigan offensive line and Iowa offensive line of the 80s and 90s and stuff like that, you would it seemed like you always had two or three returning starters. So you were maybe moving a one or two guys into the lineup. You see wholesale changes now. With offensive line, that f- affects probably uh, communication on pass pro the most. Hence the reason why you see quarterbacks getting decked, hurrying balls leads to the turnovers. I don't know. You think I'm on to nope. something there? No, I mean, how, I mean, how many times have I said it in all of our podcasts this season? These offensive lines just don't quite seem to be gelling. Correct. Like they should be. And it's the experience. And the, the, the seniors, the, the older guys who have been around, like – Michigan and Iowa, like you said, in the past, you didn't start on those lines if you weren't a third or a fourth-year guy who had spent time in the program. That's just not a thing anymore because if you're not playing by year two, you're out of here. I want to go find somewhere to play. 
So you don't build that up. It's it's something like I know we're, we sound like get off our lawn guys right now. I know, but it is part of the game now. So I think we're going to find out which of these programs and which of these coaches can really adjust and take advantage of it yes. and make this a benefit versus a hindrance. We're looking at you, Clemson. You know, Dabo mm-hmm. is like killing his entire program because he refuses to do anything in the portal. And then you yeah, see other the programs just diving full into it. Like what we saw Mel Tucker do in East yeah. Lansing. There's yeah. there's a happy meeting in the middle, and the coaches that can harness that and really find that good blend are be the ones that are going to be successful in this new era because it's yeah, not going it anywhere. It's so not. We're not going to put the man or the toothpaste back in the tube. It ain't nope. going to happen. No, whatever the whatever the material is, or it's not going back in. Nope. Uh, and then really quick on the offensive line, like building upon that. I think sometimes people think this is like Madden or hopefully future NCAA football yeah. where you just get a new we'll guy. Just trade in, for right? another one. You just plug. Yeah. What I would say is like, and then let's say we're using Madden ratings. Let's say you you replace a guy with a Madden rating of 77 for a guy of a Madden rating of 83. But what happens if that 83 guy doesn't have the same communication as the Madden 77 guy where he's used to the guard next to him or whatever? Sometimes I think maybe these coaches are replacing a guy that they think is a weak spot, but causing a different slew of problems. Again, these are things that I would love to talk to a head coach and offensive line coach about, because I think these are the things that we're seeing. Uh, So those are the first two spots, quarterback, O-line. I I think wide receiver would be number three, getting on the same page with your quarterback reps, you know, knowing where the ball's at and stuff like that. And then obviously a distant fourth would be running back. I think running back is, a little bit. Yeah, more. that's just see hole hit hole. You don't need a whole lot with a, all that. So. A little bit. I mean, there's differences between hat on hat and nuanced zones and what running backs are used to. But this for the is, most this part, is an old running back coming back here. I can hear it. I, it is like, it, and I always see things through the, the lens of a running back. So I would say it's not quite that simple. With that being said, I think we're on to something. And hey, sometimes, sometimes those kids should get off our lawn, Jordan. Just just because we're <laughs> right, just because we're yelling, it doesn't mean we're wrong. Fair enough. Yeah, I have not disagreed at all. I've always oh. considered myself to be an old soul, so I'm on board you with it 100%. Soul. You got the beard. It's working for you. All right, man. Let's go ahead and get into what we really like I to talk about. So ready. I know. This. this is a fun weekend of football. We got nine Big Ten games this weekend. One on Friday, eight on Saturday. All of these times will be central. I'm just going to go ahead and get my bitching out. Now, um, I love the Friday night game that we're going to break down here. One game early, three in the afternoon, which is perfectly great, but four in the evening, we were so close. All we really needed was just one of the night games to get moved into the morning. I would prefer two of the of the night games to get moved into the morning. It, I, I don't. I, I understand it's TV driven. This doesn't make sense to me, though. If you are a Big Ten regional fan, how can it make sense to put Minnesota Northwestern at night? when hardly a dang soul is going to watch that game with the two bigger games that are on, it, it just does not make sense to me, and it's stupid, and I'm angry about it. I, I don't disagree with you. I will say I'm very happy that my game is in the early window this week so that yes. I can watch all of these you are focused. without being like focused on my own game, and I can have good eyes on all these games. I feel like I'm going to get a whole lot better analysis this week because I, my game will be over and done, and hopefully, like you said, I'll be enjoying a nice – Old-fashioned or something as the night goes on. but 
as as so Jordan's worried about Jordan, as my favorite saying goes. I oh well, yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I, like like my old saying. I ate much, but I'm all I ever think about. All go. right, first game up on Friday, September 22nd. I'll say it again. This is an awesome game to me to start Friday night out with. I swear, if I could choose any one of these games to be the Friday night game, it would be this game right here. The two and one Wisconsin Badgers. Traveling in to take on the one and two Purdue Boilermakers. This is a six o'clock PM game on BTN line Badgers by five and a half over under 53.5. So Vegas is saying something like a 30 to 24 Badgers victory. Badgers going for their 17th win in a row in this series. Yeah, like you said, so Badgers have won 16 in a row, and that obviously lends to they have the overall series lead 52-29. There have been eight ties in this series. So Boilermakers have not won since 2003. That is a long, long time. time. Yeah, 20 yeah. years of. So there's a decent chance we got somebody listening to this podcast that was not alive. That has last never seen a Boilermaker yeah. victory. That's yep. pretty so crazy. Last year, Wisconsin does get the win 35-24. But boy, are these two teams different yeah. from what we saw last year. Yeah, that is exactly the truth. Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, Wisconsin. Um, and. You know, some of the same talking points that we've hit, they remain, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't mean to harp on this as, like, coming off as an anti-Badger. I really do think there's a compliment worked in here, which is it's just odd for me to see this Wisconsin defense look like this. And it's weirding me out. At the same time, entertaining me. I'm just going to be trying to be honest with it. Um now you go into West Lafayette for a night game. It seems like we have a lot. What I'm trying to get at is back in the day, you know, you would think the Wisconsin defense would calm that shit down, you know, like go into West Lafayette and just like calm the thing down, take it over. I don't think we have that here. So that's my intro of saying I expect some fireworks on Friday night. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I never would have thought I would have seen the day that the first note I have on a Wisconsin-Purdue game is, can this Wisconsin defense tighten up and keep this game where it needs to be? Because what we've seen with the defense, like we and we've been we've been highlighting it, it's leaky. There's We still don't really know if they know who they are and what they want to do. And bad for them is this Purdue offense yeah. and Hudson Card can take advantage of that if you're not playing tight they they scored points and they will score points yes and here is my thought process is i feel like both of these offenses have been close they've cl- okay you you agree they've yes. clicked yes. at times yes. they've clicked at times uh then suddenly they go three and out or turn the ball over long story short is i have i have yet to see often that Purdue or Wisconsin's offense are getting forced off the field because of the other defense. It seems like Purdue and Wisconsin are getting themselves off the field because of their own mistakes, penalties, turnovers. We're saying they're running out of feet to shoot themselves in. Is that I, what we're saying? Okay, okay, you only got two, right? Yes, I, I, I'm getting excited here because I think maybe we're seeing the same thing. That, that is what I'm thinking, especially when you couple it with. Two defenses that don't look like they are capable of getting that offense off of the field. I think, and switching it to Purdue a little bit, 
I think people are going to see Hudson Card for maybe the first time this year. Now, maybe Hudson Card hasn't been exactly as great as I maybe pictured him to be, but you could see the talent. Home game, knowing all eyes are on him. I don't know, man. I feel like I could see a pretty good Hudson Card showing on Friday night. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of expecting it at this yeah. point. I mean, he's he's experienced. He's he's been through these big atmospheres. I mean, if you remember, he was the guy that came in against Bama for Texas when everybody got hurt last year. So he's he's been in big environments. He's he's experienced these moments. Yep. And I just I think everything we've talked about and everything we've kind of touched on with these offenses and these defense, I think there's going to be points in this game. In this game, I do too. Deion um, Burks, Deion Burks. These are these are Purdue pass catchers. Deion Burks, ARY, Max Claire, uh, Devin Mockaby, by the way, in the backfield. Like there's available yards for these guys. Like, what happens if Wisconsin maybe only forces one turnover? You know, are they going to get Purdue off of the field? I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm foreshadowing here like crazy. Maybe we both are. I've been shocked to see this line go go down. I've, I've it watched this thing go down. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the the data and the stats don't lie because maybe they're just straight up sputtering offenses that aren't quite ready to pardon the pun get on track Friday night at Purdue. At the boy, hey, that was pretty good. Um, that was good. I like that. <laughs> um, maybe that's what it is. I just don't think that's what it is, and I think we're going to see points on Friday night. I yeah, I I agree with you. I just I I think that the two best units in this game are both teams' offenses. Yes, and and I've never in a million years would have thought I said that about a Wisconsin team, but yep. that's just what it is. And to me, like you said, it comes down to can Purdue's offense limit the mistakes and not give Wisconsin the extra possessions? Because we know if this game is like I'm seeing it. And a mistake or two happens late. We know exactly what Wisconsin's going to do. They're going to feed that two-headed monster and try yeah. to drain this game away late. And that, that's what Purdue can't have. So you've got to value the football if you're the Boilermakers. I mean, the ball's got to be number one for them. But if you want, I'll go right into what I got here because I think we've kind of we've kind of covered what we're talking about. So, I mean, in my mind, I've said it. I see points. I see a lot of points. Uh, I, I'm going to go Wisconsin 34 Purdue 27, so the Badgers get the win, just barely cover with that line moving. But that's a comfortable over. I think 53 and a half is too low. I, I would feel I would bet this all the way up to like 56. Like I feel good about a lot of points in this game. I really do. We're seeing the same thing. Almost. Almost. I've got Wisconsin 34, Purdue 30. So I got okay, so 64 closer, points going over. Now, of course, the big difference here, that means I have Purdue covering. Okay. It's gone down a little bit, so I've only got to cover by oh-so-close 1.5 points. Flirted with this being my Amador lock of the week would be interesting this on was, a Friday night. You, this was on your short list. Of it was in my top three yeah. for that pick. Yep, it was in my yep. top three. The only thing that's giving me doubt is why is it lo this low to begin with and why is it moving away from where I think but it's see, we go. talked about this last week with Louisville and Indiana. You and said I got, it smelled funny and you should have played it. Stung. And I got yeah. stung. Okay, all right. That brings us to Saturday, September 23rd. We got eight games. First one up. Yeah, let's just jump right into it, big man. 3-0, Rucker Scarlet Knights coming into the big house to take on the 3-0 number two-ranked Michigan Wolverines. This is 
the only 11 o'clock a.m. game. It is on Big Ten Network line. Wolverines by 24 over under 44. So Vegas is saying something like a 34 to 10 Wolverine victory. What you got here? So these that's only nine matchups. So this will be the 10th one. Michigan is eight and one overall. They've won the last eight in a row, yeah. including last year was 52 17 victory but if you remember right that game was much closer at halftime last year than what I that do. final score ended up being Rutgers ended that. up throwing i think like three straight picks and two of them were pick sixes on like three straight possessions in the second half that really that really turned that game around so i mean you look at Rutgers; they're three and all we've done nothing but praise them this season i mean in my opinion i think they're the most improved big 10 team we've seen this year from last year and i truly i hate this phrase but i don't think it's close I, I think they've really improved. Yep. Much. We've seen Rutgers, you know, I think the last two years as well as this year. But I, this just looks and feels different to me than yes. the, the years past of Rutgers being 3-0. This defense is stingy, and the offense seems to be getting an identity. Yep. I, having said all of that, this is a massive step up in competition for the Scarlet Knights. It's a massive I mean, step up in competition for both teams, even yes. more so for the Scarlet Knights. Don't get me wrong. Um you know, a lot of with that history is Greg Schiano versus Jim Harbaugh. Maybe there's something to that. By the way, Harbs is back. Um, what's the feel? What you know? I think it's a thing that Harbs is back. I, I was wrong. I was a I was a guest on the uh, Husker Cuzcast this summer, and at the time, we thought that Harbaugh was coming back for the Nebraska game, and I and they asked me, "Is that a big deal?" And I said, "No." Now that I've seen it play out in real time, I was wrong. I I think this is a big deal, and I think it's a boost, and I think it's little nuanced things with the play calling, as we talked on the last podcast, that I think Harbs helps out with. I think, if anything, I think it's the focus more than anything, because the one thing that people didn't really pay attention to last week was Sharon Moore was the head coach. So Sharon Moore was the the head coach, the OC, and the offensive line coach. That's tough. That's a lot for any coach. Being an offensive line coach is a bitch. Being an offensive coordinator is a bitch. Throw it all together, and that's a lot of of hats to wear. Let's talk on Rutgers. Let's talk on Rutgers real quick, if we could. I don't mean to cut you off there. Um, You're fine. um, Okay. This is my thing. I have a lot of faith in Michigan's defense, Okay. They are going to make life miserable for Rutgers to move the ball. This is just such a massive step up for Rutgers. Here's the thing, though, and I think they're going to ball up my guy, the fun guy, Kyle Manungai. Like, if if Kyle Manungai has over 85 yards rushing, I would consider that an extremely successful day for him. Absolutely. I would 100%. Yeah. I don't know where that over-under would be set at, but probably somewhere 70 to 80 yards would be my guess. Um, Here's the thing. Wimsett pulling the ball and getting yards, does that make you nervous as a Michigan fan? Oh, 100%. Michigan's whole history of mobile quarterbacks is just littered with problems. And that's the one note I have for Rutgers offensively is if they want to pull this upset, is Gavin Wimsett's got to give me something. It has to be, we got to be, it's got to be dynamic in the rushing game, and he's got to complete some downfield passes to try to keep that defense off, off there, that defense honest. I, that, that that's where it's got to come. I from. would just love to know what Shiano's in his mind, what he thinks the perfect mix is for pass attempts, rushing attempts, 
in like total yards out of Wimsat. You know, like I, my guess I, is I'm sure that he's going into this game thinking I want to muck this up and keep it as few possessions as possible. Right. But you're right. He's there's got to be a balance in there because you're not going to this. They're not going to line up and just run it at him. So if there's got to he's got to find that balance. I'm saying like 15 pass attempts, 15 rushing attempts. Yeah. Something like that. Right. It's going to have to be. Yeah. You got to yeah. have your best players got to have their best game to win it. Now, switching kind of to the other side, but bridging it a little bit. Shiano likes his turnovers. Now we're going to switch to your quarterback. Got to think it's been drilled into his head going into this game. I saw Harbaugh comments from pressers. He's talked to his quarterback. That's the opportunity for Rutgers to be in this game, pull out a you know miraculous win, is the turnovers. Can't have it this week out of J.J. Nope. And he and JJ owned it. He said those that those are on me. That's my fault. I got to be better. So, I mean, everything we've seen up to this point, he's been better than that. So, was that the question becomes? Is that a one off, or is that going to become a trend? That's that's what it is. Yeah. Then the other side. Now, this is where <laughs> the fun of college football is. I think there's big plays available there for Michigan. Okay. Um, as much as we've talked up Rutgers, I think they're weak on the outside of their defense. That's what I'm looking for. I think they'll Michigan will get their, their yards rushing the ball. I, I, I wonder if shots down the field with a Rutgers defense, that's going to be taking chances. That's what I'm excited to see. Like if I pictured it in my head, it is a mucky Michigan offensive effort for big chunks of the day offset by big chunk plays. That's what my prediction is on how this game will look. We'll see how right I am as the as the uh, day goes on. Yeah, as a Michigan fan, I think we look for Roman Wilson to have another big game. He's okay. he's been their go to guy all year. I, I look like like you just said, with their struggles on the outside, his speed and how well he's done in route running. I look for him to have a big game. All right, you're the Michigan fan. You want me to go first, or you want to go first? Go ahead. I went right. first last time. Um, I feel like a lot of people are on Rutgers and the points, and I get it. I'm not going to talk anybody out of it. I'm also taking Rutgers at the points, but I think it's going to be darn close. Uh, so I've got Michigan 30, Rutgers 7, okay? So I got a rough scoring day. They pop a play at 23 points. That's a one-point cover for Rutgers. At 37 points, that's a full touchdown over the game total. I wouldn't blame anybody for going either way on this one. So what do you have the over-under for right now? I've got it. My total is 37. The the over under for this game is 44. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I got Michigan 31 Rutgers 10. So okay. Rutgers covering by the field goal. I, I think I, I see it about the same way you do mucky, yep. dirty game that never gets close to that total. I just, I mean, it's going to be very, Michigan hasn't played a whole lot of possessions this year as it is. And I don't see them doing it this, this yeah. week because I don't think Seattle wants to at all. Now as odd, it is as odd as it is, the number two team in the country, the defending Big Ten champions. I swear there's going to be a lot of people watching Michigan for the first time in this game, and I think they're going to be amazed at what they see out of that defense. All I'm right, sure moving so. in, moving into the afternoon. The one and two Florida Atlantic Owls coming into Champagne to take on the one and two Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on BTN line. Illini by 15 and a half. That thing screamed up. We'll explain why in a little bit. Over under 45. Point five. So Vegas is saying something like a thirty-one to seventeen Illini victory. What you got? This will be the first two, the first time these two teams have met this this weekend. So oh, there we go. 
Yeah, no, no previous history among the Illini and the Owls. I feel like Illini and Owls mix in well together. You'd think they'd play. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the Owls are out of the AAC to try to go back to the C, uh, uh, summer Athlon. Picked them around six, seven, and five. Um, they, as far as the year so far, they beat Sisters of the Poor, lost to Ohio, a good Ohio team, and then got absolutely boat raced by Clemson. The issue with Athlon picking them sixth back in the preseason was because they had former Nebraska quarterback and Texas quarterback Casey Thompson. I was excited to see this matchup back in the summer to see Casey Thompson back on the field versus a Big Ten defense. Unfortunately, we're going to get robbed of that. Casey Thompson uh, had a season-ending injury last weekend. Hence the reason this line starting at 14 and screaming up to 15 and a half. In fact, I think it even started 13 and a half in some spots. Um, so that's that's kind of the FAU uh, breakdown. I've got some things to say on Illinois, but you, you go ahead. You you start. Yeah, the whole the whole Casey Thompson thing being out has really put a damper on this, like you said, because that that that's the one shining light that this FAU team had. I mean, you have Daniel Richardson as another transfer that's going to be playing quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get from there, so it's such a question mark, and I think that that tells you oh, why that line. Oh, I know what we're going to get. We're going to get a quarterback that's going to look like dog shit. Th- that's what we're going to get because yeah. they can't run the ball either. And I've looking at their – I've seen what it looks like when they go against a physical defense, which was Clemson last weekend. Now they have to face another physical defense on the road for the second week in a row. I think we're already kind of nodding and looking where this is going to go. Okay. So, yeah. so Beetle, enough's enough, right? And this is yes. Beetle saying enough's enough. This is me saying to Beetle, this is enough. We, it, it is time to play some Beetle ball here. Run the ball, run the damn ball, play clean on offense, get in the backfield on defense. That's what the, the main goals are. And I want to add a secondary personal goal in. Make some field goals. All right. Let, the kicking game needs to look better. It's, it's poor Kurt. It's torturing his his kicking soul for how that's looked. So I, what you have here is I believe a focused. Okay. Let me, let me try to, let me reset that. You get these group of five teams, possibly upsetting a power five team when that power five team maybe isn't as focused as they could be. The G five teams coming with momentum, stuff like that. I don't think we have any of that here. I think we have a G5 team that has just lost their way going in to play an Illinois team that's a little pissed, knows they need to get back on the winning track. Starting to find their way. Correct. The defense looked better. That's what I'm expecting to see on Saturday. So I said this about Nebraska last week. This is a situation for Illinois. They've had a tough start to the year with all of their opponents being extremely good. It's time to wash all the film. You started to show your strides. The defense looked better last week. So wash all that film away. And I really, really, really want to see if this defense can really bow up this week. Maybe even pitch a shutout with all of the with all of the injuries and everything we've talked about with FBU. And just like you said, run the damn ball. For God's sakes, give Lukey Legs some help and yes. a break, if yes. nothing else. And I think I think Lukey Legs will look better. He'll probably make a mistake, something like that, because he's He's turned the ball over a lot this this year, so I I can't go so far as to say he's going to be the the you know as clean as a whistle, but I think it'll be much better, especially when I believe it will be paired up 
with a rushing attack that maybe isn't going to be dominant, but will look good enough. In the end, they're just going to wear them down. So I have got Illinois 34, FAU 13 at 47 points. That is just over the game total. And I'm going to go ahead and make this my Amador double barrel lock of the week, Illinois covering that 15 and a half. Nice. Well, I have Illinois 31, FAU 7. Okay. So I and I you know that could be a very late touchdown late in the game. Okay. So for me that's 38. So I'm safely under and I'm also way over on the the 15 and a half. That is also my Amador double barrel lock of the week is Illinois minus the 15 and a half. You're kid you're kidding me. Wow. And I may have already got a bet in on that at 13 yeah. and a half before it moved. So nice I feel work. very very good about that. Gosh, good job out of you. Um is this our first time agreeing yeah. on Amador? Yes, yes, okay. it is. Okay, I don't. We'll know. have to see if this one, if this one fails. Maybe we never do it again. But I feel interesting. I feel pretty good about, about that one that too. Pick. Okay, sticking into the afternoon, the three and zero Maryland Terrapins at the two and one Michigan State Spartans. This is a two thirty p.m. game on NBC. Line Terps by seven and a hook over under fifty two point five. So Vegas is saying something like. 30 to 23 Terps. What you got? So this is the BB, the 14th matchup. Michigan State leads the all-time series 10 to 3. Okay. Maryland did get them last year, 27-13. And I am I am deeming this game the huh game. Yeah. We really just don't know what we're gonna see from either of these teams from week to week. You know, Michigan State starts the year. Yeah. Oh. Okay. No, you're stealing my notes. Good job, man. We're, okay. Michigan, We're doing a pretty State. good job stealing each other's notes because I got yeah. the same thing written down here. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan State starts the year looking so good and things are really clicking and we think, okay, Washington game, it's going to be good. And then the whole thing going yeah. on there and then they poop down their leg. Maryland, we like what we see. Then every single game they fall on their face to start. So I'm just coming into this game going, huh. What in the world is going to yeah. happen in this game? Because these are two teams that are fighting. They both believe that they are the four number four team and want to fight for that top three spot in the Correct. East. That's what Correct. both of these teams thought coming in. This is that game that kind of pushes one team in that direction or the other. So I'm now, super curious. I agree that they both, that's the goal as the next stepping stone. Maryland has more rights to that spot currently right now than Michigan right State. Right now, absolutely. Yeah, after last year. Um, speaking of the Terps, I mean, we've said it a bunch of times now because we keep seeing the same thing. You can't get off to these slow starts, especially against a big 10 opponent on the road. Okay. Like I know two 30 isn't or three 30 local time. Isn't super late, but we're going to have a tuned up crowd at home. I was going to say that Michigan state team's a wounded animal right now. Yeah. Like they, they, they just going okay. through what they went through. They're, they're going to be, there's going to be blood in the mouth. I think so too and i haven't listened to a ton of podcasts because i try to keep my brain clean until we predict our you know do our own recording and then i then i try to open it up the feeling i've got from the college football world is that michigan state is cooked they lost their coach they are they are a rudderless ship that could be the case and we will get i think we'll know this week okay i don't believe that right now Okay, I don't believe that's actually the case. This is too early in the year for these 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds to say, yeah, I'm just done playing football. Okay, like there's still things to play for here. They, you know, they want to improve and take Michigan on at some point, you know, like they've got things to to fight for. So I, I, I that is not my sense 
Um, I think there was things going down behind the scenes before it was known to the public anyways, and they were still looking pretty good. The other thing, I am tossing that Washington game out. Like, that means not nothing but next to nothing to me, Jordan shaking his head, even the Michigan fans. It has, it has no effect on the rest of your season at this point. You're playing for not. a Big Ten season now. It doesn't It doesn't do anything for you at this point. I don't think it does either. So I'll say this. like, um, I, I believe what they want to get back to doing will be available, which is getting Nathan Carter going. Yes. Okay. Run the ball. I don't think they're going to just – cave in the Maryland front seven like some people think they are like some people make the Maryland front seven out to be like an FCS front seven it's it's a little bit more stout than that okay but there there is this is a I still believe an active good senior offensive line for Michigan State they want to they need to run the ball to have success on offense they will be able to run the ball um and then on the other side and this kind of blends the two Maryland is absolutely fueled by turnovers. Okay. So Michigan state, here's your goal. Run the ball. Don't turn the ball over. I promise you will be in this game all day. Yep. And we've said it all year about Maryland. It's, it's their trenches. You know, what, what consistency are we, we don't know anything about them. Like we've seen good, we've seen bad. There's been no consistency. So that's where to me, this game is going to come down. Is if Maryland's offensive and defensive lines can control this game, I think they can run away with this game. Yes. If they yes. show the inconsistencies that they've shown, now we got a ball game late into the fourth quarter, and it comes down to, like you said, who makes the biggest mistake late in the game? Because we've seen Leah in pressure moments tend to get a little loose with the football. So if he's in that situation where this game's tight down and his offensive line's not protecting him, as he throw it to the wrong jersey late in this game, and that put Sparty over the edge. So I really want to see what those what those trenches for Maryland look like because to me that's the biggest focus in this game. Wow. Okay. That's I'm with you with a chunk of that, but yet I I've got a little bit of different spin to it, which is so basically you're saying you know if if Maryland can really do well on the lines, they'll run away from it. Number one, I just it's hard for me to see that happening at least. When Michigan State has the ball. On the other side... From what we've seen this year, you're right. Yeah. From what we've seen from Maryland, it's been inconsistent. That's it's If we get the consistency, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I, and I, I would add to that and say they need to play clean. And mostly I'm yeah. talking about dumb plays, dumb penalties. <laughs> yeah. It's got to come to a stop. I mean, I know yeah. it drives locks nuts. If he had any hair, he would pull it out. But I I, I don't see it that I, what Meaning I don't see stretches of football where they're not playing stupid and having penalties. So I it, it, it can't happen. I, I think Maryland can have success on offense. I expect them to have success on offense. Um, I think people assume Michigan State will get touched up by Leah and this passing attack because of what we saw last weekend. No offense to Locks and Leah, but this is not Washington and those receivers. It's not quite the same thing. It's like it's kind of like Washington light a little bit. So my thing is, can Michigan State get? to Leah like they've got 10 sacks on the year can they get to Leah it's got to be the number one goal I would think it's the number one goal live and die by maybe Hemby getting on top of you every now and then but you have got to get to Leah it's got to be the number one thing yeah I've, I've talked up Simeon Barrow a lot this year this is a game for him to really try to take over on the interior of that Spartan defensive line okay so in the end um I, okay another thing I was just curious 
as far as the mix for the Terps, 109 passes to 101 rushes. I don't know if that would take people by surprise. It's it's like Locks has done a good job of mixing in the rush. So like I am very interested to see how that works. Is like I feel like both offenses have an advantage. Yet I'm not necessarily expecting this to be a points explosion. I know that makes no sense, but that's just kind of what I'm seeing. But like, where where is the nuance in the game with Michigan State running the ball? Michigan State getting to Leah? Does does Maryland um, uh, touch him up in the passing game? I, I, there is a ton of stuff. So for me, I just see possibilities all over the place. I'm gonna take the points, okay, for sure. And then I started getting into it a little bit more, like. I think Michigan State can win this game. So I'm going to predict Michigan State to win this game. I got Michigan wow. State 30, Maryland 28. So at 58 points, I got this going over. And obviously, I have Michigan State covering. I've gotten it. I've got them winning it outright. So we, we're on the same page with the amount of points. I think there's points to be had out there. I just think at the end of the day, Maryland's skill players and the, the quarterback that I think has the higher ceiling and the higher upside in being Leah is what eventually takes this game to the next level. So I have Maryland 31, Michigan State 24. So at seven and a half, that's a Michigan State cover. By a half Keeping a within, I think it's, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a close game down the stretch. Okay. There's, there's only one way I see this getting out of hand and that's Maryland's way. I think Maryland could run away with it if this Michigan State team is, like we mentioned, kind of starting to fold a little bit. Yeah. I don't like I'm with you. I don't think that's the case, but I think that's the only way this game gets out of hand is in that direction. But I think we see a close game late into the fourth quarter. And if that happens, I want to take the best quarterback in the game and I'm going to take Leah to do that for me. Sound reasoning. Um I flirted with this being my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Uh so clue into anybody listening to that because obviously if I'm taking them to win outright i like the points um but i will say if i if i sim this you know 100 times in my head 30 of them would wind up with a maryland blowout i know that doesn't make any sense so that's why i stayed away from it but that's yeah i wouldn't touch that i wouldn't touch this game either there's just too many Mm. variabilities in it Ooh, i like the home dog speaking amador double barrel lock of the week the eyes on big podcast is sponsored by the amador whiskey company our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. One more game left in the afternoon. The 1-2 and two Louisiana Tech Bulldogs at the 1-2 and two Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Huskers by 21 over under 47, Vegas is saying something like a 34 to 13 Huskers victory. Only the third meeting between these teams. The Huskers have the 2 0 advantage all time. Last time they played was 2006. Okay. Huskers won 49 to 10. So they run it in a route. And based on kind of what I'm looking at, I think there's a possibility, maybe not as many points okay. for a similar type of game. All right. This year. A little, a little um, foreshadowing there. Uh, Bulldogs. Maybe are a little of- bit. The Bulldogs are out of uh, CUSA, Conference USA. They won one, then they lost one, then they won one, then they lost one. This is their fifth game. They could be dang near halfway done with their college football season once this game's over. I thought this was kind of interesting. They're averaging 31 points a game. They're averaging giving up 30 points a game. So right on that, right, right on that meaty part of the curve right there. 
Um, uh, Athlon preseason had him kind of middle of the road in CUSA, but missing a bowl. Quarterback Hank Bachmeyer, formerly a Boise State. Hank. Yeah, not a bad quarterback. You know, he had some success at times at Boise State. So I guess it'll be kind of interesting to see how he does in Memorial Stadium. Um, anyways, Nebraska feeling a ton better after that victory last uh, weekend. Winning is the ultimate order. They needed that victory. They got that victory. Do you think they're going to carry momentum into this game on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, the biggest question I have is are the, the injuries have really started to pile up in Lincoln, and do those injuries become too much for them to overcome with it? Um, on offensively, at least, we, we, we've heard a lot of injuries on that, and I, I still have the utmost faith in that defense. I think that defense yes. is kind of getting nastier as the season goes. And the one thing I look at with, with La Tech is they seem to have lost to the teams that are better yeah, and beat the teams that are not. Correct. So when you see that and you look at this game, I see Nebraska, that's a better team than La Tech. So trends would tell me that Nebraska should be comfortably in this game, and that's why I think the line is where it's at. Yep. I, I just don't see a whole lot about this Louisiana Tech team that would scare that Nebraska defense. I mean, Hank Bachmeyer's trend at Boise State was he was good, and then he was not so good, and then right. he was good, but he yep. was just kind of a guy. He never yep. really did anything fancy. So to me, that's not anything that scares me for that Nebraska defense. So I think you lean on that, and with all the injuries, Nebraska's going to do what Huskers love to hear, and they're going to run the damn ball. Yep. I, so I am agreeing with everything you're saying, I, but I think we're going to diverge at the end here. It kind of sounds like um, the, all the things I said earlier about Illinois taking on a, a group of five team applies here. Okay. A group of five team comes in and scares you. If that P five team is, is kind of not taking the game seriously or whatever. We don't have that here with Nebraska. They, they, they know they need another win. They will go get another win on Saturday. My question is, how's it going to look and when will they cover? Okay. Um, as you kind of alluded to, Jeff Sims, still iffy, high ankle sprains don't heal overnight. We don't know. Nebraska fans are anxious, don't really know if it's going to be him or Heinrich Harburg. I would want Heinrich Harburg if I'm in Nebraska. After what we saw last week, why not? Yeah. You know, I wonder. You ride the horse that got you there. I wonder, though. I watch, I rewatched that game. I wonder if Heinrich Harburg is maybe going to not run quite as physical and take the fight to quite as many defenders like me thinks he got a little sore I mean dude he was giving he was administering blows and getting blows in that game like you, you can't run like that all year in fact I, I sometimes think you, you would, can't take that fight out no, of the dog it's it, just in there you if know? you've got the 12 yard first down just take the first down get on plus um, we we need a Hank Bachmeyer versus Henrik Harburg quarterback matchup. <laughs> we need that for the all name game. I want that's, to hear the commentators stumble over those names for four quarters because that's a mouthful. To somewhere, say. somewhere, there's a 1940s German blushing <laughs> in his grave, like, "Wow, this is yes. what we thought it was going to look like." Sorry, I hope that wasn't a bad joke. But um, as far as the injuries you were talking about. Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, the number one and two running back out for the the year. Um, that's a tough blow. Um, Anthony Grant is as good of a third string running back as anybody could possibly hope. So as far as how it stands going into this game, you, I still feel good about Nebraska's rushing attack because of Anthony Grant. Grant, as long as he holds on to the ball, okay? I mean, yeah. 
and stays healthy. Because if he goes down, just like it would on almost any football team, now you're down to unproven freshmen. So Nebraska fans don't necessarily want to see that. So I get it that having Grant as your lone experienced running back stresses you out. With that being said, for him being the lone guy left, it, he, he's a pretty good option. Right. I agree completely. I okay. that, That's the way I see it. Yep. Okay. So I think we're seeing the same thing. I just sounds like we're going to diverge a little bit. I, I Here's my prediction. Hank Bachmeyer surprises the Nebraska defense. We both have utmost conference, confidence in Nebraska's defense. We could have talked more probably on Nebraska's defense. I don't think we have because we just trust the Nebraska defense. We know what it's going to look like. It's going to look yep. great. I just see once where they get popped. Like I think they're due to get popped here. Not for a ton of points, but enough points to to stick with Nebraska a little bit. And I and I I even with that points explosion, I'm still pissed that a game went over. By the way, that was that was on Scott Van Pelt's bad beats. The over, I, well, I figured game. it had to okay, be. Okay, it was. Yeah. It was. I still think the Nebraska offense that we saw for literally 75, if not 90 percent of that game, is what we have. So I got Nebraska winning the game, but I got it at 28 to 14 so at 42 points i've got that going under and i've got la tech to cover not because of necessarily things that la tech's doing but because nebraska just wants to get out of this game yeah so i successfully duped you a little bit here so okay i i have nebraska 31 and i also see la tech breaking something here and i have them at 13 so that's 44 and i have them covering I, I don't think this game's ever close, and I that that touchdown could come later. But they'll be they will get some points because, like you said, they they're averaging thirty one points a game, yeah. so their oh, offense good. isn't but it, it, it's not bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. We still pretty much see the same game. You did. You yeah. did kind of. I threw a little. I'm like, hey, yeah. got to keep you on your toes in there. I don't yeah. want you, want you to give get it a head too, fake. I don't be too predictable. Well, you know? That's good. All right. Moving into the evening, let's go ahead and start out with this one. The three and oh, do you need a drink before we do no, this? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've seen this game before. <laughs> the three and oh, number 24 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes going into Happy Valley to take on the three and oh, number seven ranked Penn State and Indian Lions. This is a 6 30 p.m. game on CBS line. Lions by 15 over under 40. Vegas is saying something like 27 to 13 Nittany Lions. We might have rain in the forecast, and we're definitely going to have a lot of people wearing white in the forecast as this is a whiteout. Yeah, so Penn State leads the all-time series 17-14, so it's really close. The Hawks have won the last two, including the last time in-state college, 41-21. So recent history is on the side of the Hawks, but overall history is on the side of the Nittany Lions. And, you know, we talked about this line moving as much as it has. It's got to be all the injuries in Iowa. We just talked yeah. about the injuries in Nebraska. It's got to be, you know, Luke Lachey out, yeah, Chris Patterson out. I mean, those injuries have got to be the main driver in, these, in this line move. Definitely think that plays into it. Uh, if I can lean just a little bit more into the trends, because I find this very interesting. This is per at... Hawkeye underscore historian since 2000. So essentially since Kirk Ferentz has been at the helm, Iowa leads the series 10 to seven, but this is the most interesting part. The average score in those 17 games, Iowa 20.5, Penn State 19.7. So that's about as close as it can possibly get. Um, By the way, the Hawks were in black britches for this game. Um, I like the look, but as I've, I've, yelled at 
children on a yard all week long. I like the look. I just wish it wasn't for this game. I wish we could have saved it for Wisconsin or Nebraska or something like like that. I I, I love these two uniforms matched up together as is. But anyways, that's uh, that's just me. Okay, let's start with Iowa since we kind of already went into it. Number one and two running back, not out for the year, but out for a couple weeks, Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson. That hurts. What kills, though, is tight end Luke Lachey. He was the number one target. For Cade McNamara, uh, by a long shot, he is gone. That 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 hurts. Probably plays into what we're seeing right here. So go ahead and break it down because I've got obviously a hundred things that I could say, but I, I I want you to go ahead and steal some stuff from me. Yeah, I think with Iowa, the best thing they can do in this game is play Iowa football. Like the the way they go into Happy Valley and they win this game is to play exactly who they are and control the game and shorten the game and run the ball and trust your your defense to stay in this game that i mean that, injuries be damned i think you still you still have to ride your running game and you you hope Cade can be healthy enough to make the throws when they're there i will mention last time that Cade McNamara and Eric <laughs> all played in Happy Valley they kind of connected for a relatively big touchdown so yeah. maybe I've seen that on I've seen that on the Twitter sphere a couple 13, 14 times this week. I, so I like yeah. to I like to poke people a little bit yep. with it too, just because it's fun. But yeah. let no, me ask I you think, that, let me ask you this. I, yeah. What level of success, whether it's none or a bunch or somewhere in between, what level of success can I expect Iowa running the ball in this game? I think that's a really good question because <laughs> it truly comes down to yeah. my biggest question for Penn State all year has been the interior of their defensive line. And to this point, we have not seen that be the elite that it, we would want it to be. It's still at times against the better teams they've played. There has been some some leakiness there. So if Iowa can find something on that interior of the line, I I think there could be some success there, especially if it's a wet and sloppy game and there's not good footing there. There's a possibility for it there. Now, other side of that, we've seen the struggles that the Hawks have had. There's a potential too that there could be absolutely nothing. Right. You know, I mean, it's, It's it's I I asked the question because it's a difficult one to answer. I'll tell you this much. If somebody is adamant that they know this answer, this no, is where, this is, well, well, number, yeah, number one, you're, you you a liar. Number two, bet that. If So if, what I'm saying is oh, if yeah. you don't think Iowa can run the ball for a lick, bet on Penn State. Mm-hmm. If you think Iowa can run the ball, and I'm not saying 200 yards rushing. Yeah, they know. I'm not saying anything no. crazy like that, but like 125, you know, 140, yep. somewhere in there. That is a mix that gets Iowa into this game late in into the game. I'll I'm tell not you convinced this. that's what we're going to see. I think it's more possible than I thought even two weeks ago. I'll say that much. If Iowa gets to 160, 170 yards rushing, they're winning this game. Okay. That's where that's the my thought. Right. I mean, okay. we'll if they get down. to 160, 170, I think they win this game because to me that means they've controlled the clock. Okay. To a point where they don't allow Penn State's offense to get a ton of possessions. Now, and then, and then just throw it out there: what's the what's the percentage that they would get to one sixty or above in rushing? What's the percentage chance that you would give that happening? That's fine. Just say it. 
35%. Oh, wow. I, I didn't think you would be that high. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, to, that, that I was going to say closer to 15 or 20, but I'm taking all of the conditions into consideration here because the, like okay. I said, this okay. weather is not weather. looking well and a sloppy okay. field means big plays on the, on yeah. the offense. All so. right. Let's, we should probably talk about Penn State a little bit. It's the whole yeah, I was just going to say, so let, me trans, um, let me transition to Penn State. Okay. I the, feel the like, same reason. Yeah. Hang on. Hang, hang, I got yeah, one thing okay, I'm okay. thinking about it so I don't forget about it because <laughs> I'm going to lose it if I don't do it. Okay, go I said that the way Iowa wins this game offensively is to play Iowa ball. Transversely, I think they also have to continue to play Iowa ball on defense. And that's where my big question for Drew Aller comes in. Because what this Iowa defense has a tendency to do to young quarterbacks is make them be simple. Like, you take the plays that are there. We're going to let you check it down. We're going to let you have these easy ones. If you get it's come from, try to force you into throws that maybe they look like they're there, but they're really not there. So the young quarterback in Drew Aller, does he take the bait and, and try to get greedy on some plays and allow this Hawkeye defense to make some takeaways, or does he trust what he sees? So, I, I mean – I'm with you there as far as that's what Iowa wants Drew Allard to do is make that mistake. Here's the thing, though. No turnovers for Penn State. Not one right. turnover done it. for three games. So I can't say I'm expecting that to happen. It hasn't happened against anybody else. And they went against an attacking defense just last weekend on the road versus Illinois. I feel like people have been dogging Drew Allard way too much this week. I rewatched that game. He looked either average or darn good. Like, I never saw him look bad. I saw his receivers not look good because they dropped balls. And then I wonder how much better Aller would have looked if, I don't know, he was able to get into a rhythm because his receivers caught the ball. I put literally no blame on any offensive issues last week on Aller at all. I thought he looked really good. Um, here's a place Here's a place that I think Aller and Penn State's going to have success. I saw it. Somewhere around, I think it was like mid-second quarter and into the second half, maybe they weren't having as much success running the ball as they wanted to, which is a thing. So they started motioning away and then leaking their backs from the backfield and throwing to them like an extended handoff in the rushing attack. It creased Illinois. As an Iowa guy, I am very fearful of that play. I've said on Twitter said I had a long, you know, Iowa rant on Twitter. I think we're really stout up the middle. We're almost the anti-opposite Penn State defense, but we don't have a ton of athleticism and speed on the outside. So nervous for that type of play. I I think there's some receivers that are underutilized by Penn State. I like how that matchup is for Iowa, but but there are little nuances of Penn State's offense that are going to make it difficult for Iowa's defense. No, I you I I completely agree. I think you have Katron Allen, you have Nick Singleton. You you've got to you've got to trust them and use them like you said creatively. I I I like the getting them out of the backfield and letting them get in space. I mean, Singleton is fast when yes. he's out in space. And then with that being said though, um probably the part that makes me the most nervous is this athletic attacking defense going against Cade who just is not healthy. It is just I mean, I I can't talk about how Cade not being able to squirt around, run for four yards, you know, get out of trouble, throw the ball. If he, if he's having troubles doing it against Western Michigan, how is it going to look on Saturday night versus this Penn State d- defense in the whiteout? 
So I'll just go ahead and jump into it. I mean, Iowa needs to come up with a play on special teams, a, a pick six or a big play on defense and run the ball. Do I think hitting all three of those is possible? Absolutely. I've seen Iowa do those things numerous times. Do I think it's likely? No. I think what's likely is two teams playing it close to the vest to not make the mistake, but Penn State just having the better overall talent and advantage in this game. So I got Penn State 23, Iowa 16 at 39 points. I got that going one point under, and I've got an Iowa cover. So I have, I have Penn State 28. I have Iowa 13. So that's Ooh. one point over. And well, you, gotta, you get the spreading out of 15. So you got to push. Yeah, it's a push. So you got to adjust that one point where you want to go. Uh, hmm. I, all right. I'm going to go. I'll go 27, 13. Okay. So I'll give the Hawks the cover. There you go. Yeah, I, we, I, I, this I game's not going to be a blowout anyway around it. It'll be. I think this is a good game. I just like you said. I think Iowa, the injuries, Cade being limited. I think they struggle to get the points they yeah. need to get to win this game, especially yep. on the road. Yep. All right. Next game up. I almost feel bad for this game. I mean, what the heck? One and two Akron Zips versus the one and two Indiana Hoosiers. Six thirty p.m. game. Line Hoosiers by 17 over under 46. Vegas is saying something like 30 to 14 Hoosiers. Hoosiers going with some all black unis for this game. What do we got? So Hoosiers lead this all time series three nothing. Played in 2010. They won that game 35 to 20. All right. Zips are, of course, out of the MAC. Athlon had them pretty bad 11th in the MAC. If you're 11th in the MAC, you're not a very good team. They lost to Temple barely beat Morgan State and got boat raced by Kentucky. Kentucky just pretty much manhandled them and just sat on it. They can't run the ball. They're just not a good team. This 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 is a this I mean they're living up to their zips moniker here. Like that, that that's about what they bring to the table as far as threat. What are we looking at for the Hoosiers? Uh I just I see this this game kind of being a Gary I'm a business type of game for the Hoosiers. I think this defense absolutely smothers Akron's offense. And I will be interested to see if this offense can put up yes. some points in a game where they should. You know, it'd be nice to see Taven Jackson guys get a little bit more of a rhythm and keep building for the rest of the Big Ten season that's coming up because their defense is shown to be good and it'll keep them in game, but you're going to need your offense to score some points. This would be a good game to see them get some continuity and rhythm down. I trust the defense. It's going to look great. Let's maybe get a little bit more out of the rushing attack. And Taven Jackson doesn't have to go for 300 yards or almost 300 yards again. Just look good. I think all of those things happen. Maybe some sluggishness a little bit from Indiana. But you would think with the night game and them knowing they need a win, almost made this my Amador double barrel lock of the week. This is another one I looked at. I've got Indiana 34, Akron 6. At 40 points, I have the under and a somewhat easy Indiana cover. Yeah, I have 31-7, so easy cover and safely under. This was my number two for my lock of the week, yep. the, un- the under, because I just I don't think Akron's going to score much. I give, him a, I give him a sad touchdown late. That was all I had. Yep, yep. All right, our other evening game, the 2-1 and one Minnesota Golden Golfers traveling into Chicago to take on the 1-2 and two Northwestern Wildcats. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on the Big Ten Network line. Gophers by 11 and a half over under 39.5. Vegas is saying something like 24 to 13. Gophers lead the all-time series 56, 36, and 3. That includes three in a row. Last year was a nice 31 to 3 
beat down yeah. the Wildcats. Um, um, again, cannot believe this is not an 11 o'clock a.m. game. I mean, they got to bring in temp lighting. Shout out to Musco Lighting out of state of out of uh, Oskaloosa, Iowa. Um, I joked on Twitter that this should heck they should make this a 10 o'clock a.m. game, you know, instead of even 11 o'clock a.m. game. And my guy Tim Hazelton joked even better. Let's make it a 9 a.m. game and sponsor it by Zing Zang. <laughs> the, the, makers, <laughs> the makers of Bloody Marys. That's a that's a pretty good pretty good idea right nice. there. What are we what are you what are you looking at? Keys of the game. Um, can Minnesota run the ball, stay healthy, and trust their defense? Like I think they're supremely talented over Northwestern. We've seen some pluckiness out of the Wildcats at times, but to me, this is a severely overmatched team. I think Minnesota, like we mentioned earlier, is going to have some blood in the mouth after last week. That's a tough loss on the road against a good team. In a game that I had them winning, so you know they go into there thinking that they had a shot in that game and it just didn't go their way. So I really like to see this Minnesota offense run the ball, get Kaliak Manis in a groove, get him comfortable and growing going for the, the season, kind of like we just talked about with Indiana. Trust the defense. Yep. The defense is going to be good. Offense gets your rhythm. And I think this Wildcats team is just they're kind of a sinking ship right now. Yeah, Um I do think there's a bit of an identity crisis going on with Minnesota's offense a little bit. Um, I think they wanted a nice mix of run pass coming into the year. Um, so now your thing is, okay, what do you do? Do you lean back into that and trust Ethan to work through it? If you want a truly magical season this year or next year, I think that's what you do. Just force it to see if Ethan can be the guy. Uh, but I think, PJ will just revert back to what he has been the last couple of years and just run the ball down their throat. But that makes me nervous too, because PJ you know, going to PJ, you know, yeah, PJ going to PJ. The, the, I mean, this is how PJ has, has become. It wasn't like that at one point. My, my question with the, the Wildcats, I know they're not good, but how not good are they? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what, a, that's a very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, and, I think we're going to wind up finding out here, like blowout loss to Rutgers. We think Rutgers is pretty good. Blowout win versus UTEP, and then they turn around and just get absolutely outclassed by Duke. I think Minnesota is almost like Duke light a little bit. Okay, like they're kind of similar. They get them at home, but here's the thing. This is what crazy. I think the night game favors Minnesota. Like, oh, them, yeah. Okay, you agree. Like, oh, it would be better if this was an eleven o'clock a.m. game for Northwestern. Yeah, because it'd be sleepy. That's your. That's where you go. But they can't run the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball versus Minnesota. In fact, I'm pretty no. sure they won't. So then you go to the other side and you expect them to throw the ball. I think Minnesota really, honestly, has good a good secondary when healthy. They just got. I mean, it was a crazy matchup against a world-class, you know, passer. And even then, some of those balls, as you pointed out, were contested. I don't think we, I don't think we have that here. So I've got Minnesota twenty-eight, Northwestern thirteen. So at forty-one points, I actually got this going over, um, and I've got a Minnesota cover. I have, I have Minnesota thirty-one, Northwestern seven. Just barely under. I just I don't trust the Wildcats offense to get a whole lot against this gopher defense. And yeah, I think this game could get out of hand pretty early. Okay. I'm thinking one or two drives and one play that they pop. That's how I think they get the That's 13 fair. points. It's entirely but... possible. All right. That brings us to the Dick Ten Game of the Week. Getting forty-eight percent of the total vote. The three and O number sixteen Ohio State Buckeyes at the three and O 
number nine, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC line. Buckeyes by three, over under 55.5. So Vegas is saying a thriller, 28 to 25 Buckeyes win. What you got? So Ohio State leads the all-time series here, five to two. They did play last year. Everybody remembers 21-10 Buckeye win. I'm curious, though, do you know the last time Notre Dame won this game? 1936? 1936. Do you okay. know what the score was? I, That's I didn't look, the best part. I didn't look that up, no. 7-2. to two. Oh, baby. Make that my, is make my Hawkeye blood game. boil right there, man. That's <laughs> I've fantastic. I've heard of a Big Ten game. Yeah. And All I'm right. going to, I have to, before we start okay. this game, okay. I am going to do everything I can do to break this game down without throwing up in my mouth. <laughs> I saw because a lot these of these are my, my two most hated yep. rivals that yep. I have, and it's going to be difficult. Yep. I will take my maize and blue glasses off for this and do my best. Do the best you can. This is where you're in. This is where you earn that bourbon this week. Is on this yes. breakdown right here, Jordan. You can't root for a meteor. Okay, that's that's. I was that's hoping for a sinkhole, but you know. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go right. I'm just going to ask you a question. This is the ten thousand bushels full of Buckeyes question. Is Kyle McCord ready for this setting? What do you Boy, think? he better be because he is never he has never walked into an environment like he's going to walk into and been the guy. I mean, hundred thousand fans in South Bend at night. Everybody in the world is watching this game. It's the game of the week for everybody. We're, we're going to find out because this yeah. is a hell of a way for you to come in and and be that guy. And if he if he is ready for that moment, Ooh. look out, Big Ten. Correct. Yes, because if he's if he comes into this game and he looks composed and things clicking, Penn is in a lot of trouble. Yes. Um, here's here's the I think what we're saying here is we don't know. Um, I think we probably both feel I don't want to speak for you too much, but we both feel Kyle McCord is a good quarterback, and given Absolutely. time, he's going to get better and better because that's just what quarterbacks do under Ryan Day. But this is essentially his second, I would call it, full start, right? I mean, he he was just named the official starter last week. Now you go into this setting, like, it's just different, okay? So, like, this isn't a, a slight or meant to be a slight against Kyle McCord if we doubt how he looks. I think it's tough for any quarterback at any point in their career for this to be the when this game falls on when they're the starter, it is, it is the question to, to see. Um, now, on top of that is, do we think Notre Dame can get to Kyle McCord? Okay. That was I, my big question with their defense. I It's honestly, it's a little bit week on week. Notre Dame's not doing a great job getting to the quarterback. Ohio State's had some issues here and there protecting the quarterback. I don't know the answer, Jordan. I have... This is the one game, I'll be honest with you, I have cheated on. I have been trying to get data points and info from people that know these teams better than me. They are as clueless as I am, and I think you are too. Everywhere you go to start matching these teams up, it seems to be strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness, question mark versus question mark. Before the season, back in the summer, I wasn't that excited for this game because I thought Ohio State would just boat race them as the season has progressed. And we've seen what these teams look like three games in that's data points that you have to look at, dude, I, I really wish this game wasn't the same time. 
as the Iowa game because I am very interested to see how this thing goes down. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. There are so many positions on the field where the, both of these units struggle. Both of these teams or units are good. So it's going to be who gets the better of who on this night. The position, the spot I'm watching the most is the Notre Dame wide receivers versus this Ohio State secondary. Yes. Because last season, it was Notre Dame's wide receivers could not get open. And when they could, they didn't have a quarterback to throw them the ball. Well, Notre Dame has a quarterback that can throw them the ball. Yeah. So if these receivers can get some separation, that's where this game can get a little sideways for the Buckeyes because then they can't just load that box up and try to take Audric Estime away because that's a bruiser of a running back. He is good. He is impressive. That's not somebody you're going to want to line up four or five guys and try to take him down because you're not going to win with that. And here's, you know, this is another part of the the Spider-Man meme, you know, pointing at each other, same as you. Coming into the year, Notre Dame fans were like, iffy on their wide receivers, but thought they showed promise. They looked better. Coming into the year, Ohio State fans were iffy on their secondary, but thought they might look better. And they have, like, it's another, Mm -hmm. but now it's the first real test well, maybe. I, I I would say Western Kentucky wasn't a bad team for Ohio State to have a look at last week. And I don't think it's a nothing burger that they, you know, fed uh, Western Kentucky their lunch last week because that's a good passing attack. The secondary was a part of that. Burke has looked better. There is absolutely no doubt about it. He is looking like the the cornerback that Ohio State fans hoped he would look at. So that is a thing right there, but we got to bring up Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman. My gosh, I mean, he deserves Heisman talk. 71% completion, over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks. I don't know how you look much better than what Sam Hartman has looked, and because of that, they've blasted Navy, blasted Tennessee State, kind of messed around a little bit with NC State, and they wound up blasting them. Um, it, it, I mean, this is a much-improved much improved Notre Dame team just from even last year when they finished strong at the end of last year. The biggest, the biggest attribute I think about Hartman too, is he is standing in the pocket. There was some talk about, Oh, you know, he takes a lot of hits. He takes a lot of hits. And it's like, yeah, but he's not taking a lot of sacks. Correct. So he's composed and poised in the pocket and he's willing to stand in there and let these guys work and get open and he'll take shots. I mean, he's an experienced guy. So my question to you would be, is this the first time that Ohio State doesn't have the best quarterback in a game coached by Ryan Day? Holy cow. What a question. Yes. Yes. I think the answer is yes here. Um, It has to be, right? I mean, Hartman's experienced. He's been so good. But then the question comes into the weapons around him, you know? Yeah. So obviously, you know, like – I think this is a good Notre Dame defense, but it's not. It's not elite. It, it's not elite. It's it's n- n- Ohio State's going to get yards. You know, I'm curious to see how much the rushing attack is going to play into that for for Ryan Day and Ohio State, and how much they. I mean, they just literally want to attack with the rushing attack. I I, I don't know that answer. I'm curious to see. I mean, there's going to have to be somewhat of a mix. We know how good Ohio State wide receivers are. We know they're going to get open and make plays at times, like. I just wonder, McCord even kind of looked shaky at the beginning of the game last week, okay? Not, didn't last long, okay? They busted out pretty quick.
But that's kind of been a common theme with Ohio State's offense all year is just right at first, a little bit of feeling out process. If he gets through it quickly and starts looking good, Ohio State's going to win this game. Okay, that's that's and I think you're kind of alluding to that, too. I think Ohio State is sick and tired of hearing that they're not physical. They are. I think they're going to be on a mission to prove that, which plays into the style of this game. I think it's going to be hard hitting. I feel like people are expecting more of a track meet. I feel like this is more of like put on the boxing gloves and duke it out. Man, see, and we we were, you know, we were messaging about this back and forth all day. I've seen this game three different ways. Yes. I've seen the boxing match that you've talked about. And then I've seen, I can see a situation where, okay, maybe the, both of these defenses aren't quite what they think they are. And these quarterbacks pick them apart a little bit, okay. some points. And then I see kind of just a slog where both teams running games are going a little bit, but they're not great. So, I've seen this game so many different ways. I've seen I've picked both teams to win this game back and forth all day long. It's a great game. I'm excited as all hell to watch it. Like yes. with everything we've just said, I'm still in this moment not 100% sure what I want to do. Well, I'll, I'll really let you go. I'll let you go first. I don't want you to have that taste in your mouth of being the last, you know, these are the two teams you predict to end the podcast. So I'll I'll end the podcast with my prediction. You you go first. Okay, so Everything in me says Ohio State 28, Notre Dame 28 in a tie, but I won't <laughs> I won't do that. Okay, so sure. I am taking the Buckeyes 31 28. I do see more points in this game. I think overall the, <laughs> Wait, the hold on. That's put that's a push again. So you got you got to pick something No, it's three there. and a half I thought. No, it's 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 gone down to 3. I'm sorry. That Jeez. folks folks that was my fault. But hey, that's that shows how how closely you see this and we see it. So you, you got to add or subtract a point somewhere in there. Ah, well, I don't know how they're going to get there, but I'm going to go. So I'm going to go 31, 29. Okay. Okay. And I'll, so I'll give Notre Dame the cover here, but to me, what puts it over the edge in a game like this, the best players on the field have to go win the game. And I think the best players on both sides of the ball, Ohio State has them, and Marvin Harrison Jr. on the offensive side making some kind of big play late in this game to push the Buckeyes over. And I think the stars we've seen on that Ohio State defense and how they've really started to come to light, I think they can bottle up Estime enough to let their weapons on the offense get it done for them. So I take the Buckeyes 31, Notre Dame 29, even though I don't know how the hell they get there. And with that, that's 60 points. So, like I said, I see a lot of points in this game. So, I got them going going over over pretty comfortably. We see somewhat the same game. um, And I had your prediction almost dead on at one point. Um, I don't know why I've wound up here. Probably more just because of the quarterback battle. I I have that much faith in Sam Harmon. He just looks so in control to me. I think he has been one of... Him and Penix, for the guys that have just straight watched, those have been the two most impressive quarterbacks that I have seen. It's the style that I like. I've really liked what I've seen. Home game, people are saying this is the biggest Notre Dame home game since the Bush Push, like 18, 17, 18 years ago, however long that is. Sorry, Buckeye fans, but I've got Notre Dame 27 Ohio State 26, so an absolute thriller. Obviously, with the outright win, I have got Notre Dame covered. And at 53 points, I've got that going just under. Woo! 
Boy, I will say I really, really wish Notre Dame wasn't wearing those putrid green uniforms. I heard they're going all green for this oh, game. Oh, are you that's, serious? That's the rumor. I don't have that confirmed anywhere. I really that hope just they're kinda, not. Stuart, that just like that takes my excitement level down like a level and a half. I, just because I agree. Of, oh man, when you go against a traditional blue blood program. Wear your proud navy blue. Go- oh, oh, that's, that's just horrible. I hope you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope, you're bad. I hope you have. Like bad I, said, I have not seen that like officially anywhere, but I have seen a lot of rumblings that they're wearing their greens, and I really hope not. Yeah, I hope that was bad information you got, but it's probably what it's going to be because that's how yeah. these stupid things work out. Right. Well, we went longer, of course, than I thought we were going to because we only had nine games, but now you know we're getting into the big on big stuff, so there's more stuff to talk about lesson learned and this is a banger of a week there's a lot of good games this week even even the casual fans as they say will be locked in the the diehards like me and you we we just go up another level from where we were at before all right let's get out of here i am jeffrey the greek i am jordan don't forget to ask for amador this has been the eyes on big podcast we will talk to you soon